Hey guys, and welcome back to the channel. Rafa Nadal versus Taylor Fritz for what's it for the ATP Tour Finals in Turin, the Green Group. We're going to get into it, and it's the second match of the Green Group. The first match for both these players, though, and it's going to be a very interesting one because Nadal's coming off a second round loss or first match loss even to Tommy Paul in Paris. Uh, for Taylor Fritz, we're going to go into his run as well of form as of late. Uh, before we do that, though, we're going to look at a couple of things. Before we get into it, though, remember to hit the like button and do subscribe if you are new. Thank you to everyone that is supporting the channel and do consider joining as well to become a member. Also, do leave a rating or review if you are watching or listening on a podcast platform. I do see you guys out there who are doing that, so thank you. Appreciate it. What we're going to do first is we're going to go into their previous meetings. Then we're going to talk about their recent form. And then I'm going to talk about it from a tactical standpoint and then ultimately give you guys my prediction for this matchup. Okay, let's get into it. Rafa Nadal and Taylor Fritz. So they played like a tie-break tennis ex exhibition event, which Nadal won. So we'll discard that because it doesn't count towards the head-to-head. -to -head. It's an exhibition. Nadal leads the head-to-head 2-1. Now, he won in Acapulco in straight sets, which was, of course, on outdoor hard courts in 2020. But this year, they played twice. And this is, well, these are the most interesting meetings, of course, because they're the most relevant. Indian Wells. Now, both players had some sort of injury. Nadal, I think it was the abdomen, I think, wasn't it? That's where it started, if I'm not mistaken. Was the abdomen? It was, it was a injury. And Fritz had an ankle injury, if I'm not mistaken, as well. So he was a doubt. Fritz came out on top, though, in straight sets in Indian Wells, winning his first title, or his first Masters 1000 title. And then in Wimbledon, Nadal had the abdominal injury, of course, where he struggled to serve past 100 miles an hour, 105 miles an hour, I think it was. Uh, I was watching the match, the watch along for it, and Fritz had a lot of opportunities to win that match. And I wouldn't say he choked, but let's just say maybe could have applied himself better. He ended up losing in five sets and uh, he <laughs> ended up losing the last two sets after being two sets to one up and then losing the match tiebreaker 10-4 as well, which, I mean, look, it not the best match that Taylor Fritz has played and I think that really did hurt him after as well. Of course, Nadal ended up pulling out after um, in the semi-final, well, before the semi-final against Kyrgios. So Kyrgios ended up uh, getting a walkover, making his first ever Grand Slam final. But yeah, I mean, Wimbledon, Indian Wells, we can put a little bit of emphasis on it, but not a huge amount. <clears throat> Just because in Indian Wells, both players were injured to some degree. Uh, Wimbledon, I mean, Nadal gets injured a little bit, but there's also pressure and nerves. And I don't necessarily think we're going to see either of those uh, or either of these players feel nerves at the ATP Finals. I just think they're going to go into They've got nothing to lose. So they'll just go into it, enjoy it, try and play the best tennis on indoor hard courts where they know the conditions are going to be favourable uh, in terms of serving. And uh, they're going to have still conditions and have to worry about anything else. Uh, they can just focus on their tennis. So then let's look at both players' recent form. So for Fritz, he's had a very interesting run since, um, well, it's been a very interesting run since the US Open. He won Tokyo in very good fashion, being some good players on the way there. Uh, Vienna, though, he ended up losing the second round to Shapovalov. He had beaten him in Tokyo, I guess. So 
fine. Uh, you can say, you know, well, one on one against Chapeau. And then in Paris, though, he lost to Gilles Simon in the second round. Now, that was a bit of a shocking loss, honestly. But Simon, being, you know, from France and he had the crowd behind him, it ended up being his last ever tournament as well. Uh, so he retired afterwards. He obviously had a lot to, to lose or a lot to, to gain from winning that, trying to go on a little run. So very motivated for sure. And then for Nadal, well, it's been an interesting one because since the US Open, of course, he hasn't played due to being injured. Lost the TFO in four sets uh, in the round of 16 match, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it? Or was it quarterfinals? No quarterfinals even, sorry. And then <clears throat> lost in the second round of Paris, although, you know, he got a bye, so it's really his first match in three sets after being a setup. And then taking Tommy Paul to a tiebreaker, losing the tiebreaker, then losing the third set. So losing it quite convincingly. So he would have been disappointed not to get over that and not to win that second set tiebreaker. Because if he had, of course, it would have been very different and he would have had a lot more preparation going into this. Match preparation anyways. And I know, of course, he won the Australian Open without playing any tennis since the French Open. Um, well, any high-level tennis since the French Open, but then, of course, he played that one week before the Australian Open, the Melbourne Somerset, which was a 250, but, and again, he played, I think the final was Maxine Cressy, who's a good player, but, you know, in a final, that's, it's not a high, 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 high caliber opponent, and he still went on to win it, but the difference here is he hasn't played any tennis. He's played one match, which isn't enough, um, and he would have been practicing in Turin, which I've seen, but his record at ATP finals isn't great in the sense that he's never won one. And his record at indoor hard courts overall is not bad, but he's never won a title in indoor hard courts. So it kind of says a lot about how Nadal's game translates onto indoor hard. It's his weakest surface, you could say. And there's a reason for that because he, you know, his optimum conditions are high bounce, slow court. Um, you know, it means that it just complements his high top spin game so so well. Um, and of course, we're talking about clay courts here, uh, and of course, the outdoor conditions as well the sun, the elements he enjoys, and he plays very, very well in those conditions and adapts very well. Uh, with indoor hard courts, of course, indoors, so still conditions, it favors the big servers, the people that are able to hit their spots and get more free points from them. It also favours the big hitters as well from the back of the court uh, and favours anyone that enjoys lower bouncing, faster surfaces. Um, so someone like Taylor Fritz actually will enjoy this surface, I think. And that's why this ma it makes this match more interesting than it would if we're talking about a, a, you know, a Roland Garros match, of course, or even someone like a Wimbledon, honestly, even though Wimbledon is even lower bouncing and you could say arguably quicker, although nowadays it's quite slow. So I, I would say these courts are probably going to be quicker. But still the element, still the pressure as well. Grand Slam, AT Finals, there is pressure. But for Taylor Fritz, his first time, he's going to go out and probably just enjoy it. I have nothing to lose because he won't be expected to win this, despite Nadal's record on indoor hard courts. So then what does this mean for, from a tactical standpoint? Like, What, what does this mean? Uh, because we've seen this match a couple of times this year. I mean, what's going to transpire? Well, for 
Nadal, there's a few things, and uh, we saw him tinkering with a return position against Tommy Paul where he was standing further up. Now, you could argue that it didn't work because he ended up losing the match, but up until the second set tiebreaker, it was working. Now, in saying that, Tommy Paul isn't a... I don't think he's a weak server, but he's also not a huge server either. He hit his spots quite nicely in Paris, and he hit a few aces. Nadal, though, stepped in, which normally doesn't, on also, sorry, almost onto the baseline for the first serve, which was very surprising, because normally he'd be standing a good three, four meters behind the baseline. So the way that he adjusted his return position and managed to have success in that first set, of course, winning it, and then up until the second set, tiebreaker was impressive. In saying that, though, Taylor Fritz's serve is a lot bigger and he can click it up to around 140 plus miles an hour. He doesn't necessarily hit his spots as well as someone like a Tommy Paul, honestly, or, or, or doesn't hit them better anyway, uh, maybe just as good. So I'm wondering whether Nadal is going to say, you serve too big, so I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to concede trying to take the ball early like that uh, and say, okay, I'll, I'll, I'm happy to go back. And the reason why he might be happy to also stand further back is someone like Tommy Paul will try and serve and volley at times and he'll come forward. Taylor Fritz is a power baseliner who is allergic to the net. He is. He genuinely is allergic to the net. If there's one thing that I would love Taylor Fritz to improve to add to his game it would be his net play and a willingness to come forward he is just hates coming to the net he hates it <clears throat> genuinely he does not enjoy coming forward um you know i mean we can look at his most recent matches actually are they good examples i mean i i just don't think he's super comfortable with the net honestly and, and I wonder whether he's worked on it because actually, in fairness to him, in his most recent match, which he lost to Gilles Simon, he came to the net 29 times. And that's over three sets. That's still pretty solid, though. Well, that's still a solid amount of times. Let's see, against Dabrich Rakina, how many times did he come to the net? That was his first round, 13. I mean, I wonder whether he came to that more against Simon because he's such a grinder that he felt he had to, but then he had success because he won, I think it was 20 out of 27 or however many points I said. Um, and the net, which was very, very, that's quite a good percentage to be fair as well. Yeah, see, only seven times he came to the net against Shapovalov. So that's more like what we expect from him. Now, if he is to play against Nadal, Nadal's going to sit back because he doesn't expect Fritz to come forward. If I'm Fritz, I'm coming forward. Not every single serve, but if he is nailing his first serve and he's feeling good on it, I'm not sure why, if he's able to nail the one out wide, why he can't come forward and try and finish off the point with a volley. Nadal might pass him. The volley's not good enough, which I don't think Taylor Fritz is a natural volleyer. Uh, then, yeah, he might lose a few points where uh, Nadal is whipping the forehand past him and passes him with an incredible passing shot. Fine. But then 
also getting engaged, also engaging in these long rallies where Nadal gets the, a loopy backhand deep into court and then he gets into neutral and then, you know, Fritz tries to go big with the forehand into out. I'm just picturing this. Uh, and then Nadal goes, okay, fine, I'm trying to go into my forehand. Um, and then he whips into Fritz's backhand and we get, you know, we engage in those longer rallies. I think Fritz needs to take a risk at times, um, a calculated risk, and come forward and try and finish off those points and say, you know what, let's try. If it doesn't work, then fine, it doesn't work. Like, you can then go back and say, well, I'm just going to do what my tried and tested method and, if, and hope that it works and just try and go big with my serve, go big on my one-plus plays, and then win in those rallies uh, and, and hope that either Nadal makes mistakes or I'm hitting big enough or well enough to well big enough or well enough to actually you know have success in these rallies i don't know i'm just assuming i'm assuming anyway that that's what's going to happen how that fritz is going to sit back on the baseline and he'll think well there's still conditions i'm just going to rip my forehand and backhand from the back of the court and hope i'm hitting big enough uh that nadal's not going to be able to hurt me I think that would be a mistake, genuinely, because we saw that at Wimbledon and it didn't work. Um, it didn't. Nadal, to be fair, had a very good forehand day, but a lot of it is also... And when we talk about forehand days, I think a lot does hinge upon how Nadal plays because if his serve and his forehand isn't firing, then on an indoor hardcore especially... It's a winnable match for Fritz. So, I mean, it, I hate to say it, but it is. And, and Nadal, I think, you know, everyone has bad games. I mean, Djokovic will have a bad game now and then. Uh, you know, obviously he lost the whole rune last week or two weeks ago. It, it can happen. Uh, the, the Even these goats can, you know, have a dip in form or even a dip in form during a match and then end up losing it. But for Nadal, I think on clay, he can get away with it a lot. On even... Slow out to a hard court, so you can get away with it a lot. Even on grass, at times maybe, but if somebody's playing against someone who's not as experienced on grass, he can potentially get away with it. But on indoor hard courts, I think the reason why he hasn't won titles is yes, a probably because it's towards the back end of the year, so normally he's injured or he is extremely fatigued uh, from trying to battle through the year, um, so he's not in the best of form. Fine, but. Uh, I think the major point is the courts and the conditions don't really suit him as well. And what it means is that he has to play some of his best tennis to win matches. Otherwise, he is there for the taking. I mean, is that a bit hard? Maybe not there for the taking, but he is vulnerable, I think. Uh, so he's going to have to serve very, very well and hit his spots because Fritz is, in my opinion... Quite a good returner. Um, he is. And his backhand return is very solid as well. And he doesn't have a huge amount of weaknesses um, on return. I mean, he's not the most athletic, but he really does get the most out of his game. He does. Uh, and I've been quite impressed with his with his rise over the last few years because I don't think anyone really expected him to make the top 10. A lot of people thought he was a top 25 guy. But the fact that he's broken into the top 10 and some of the victories and some of the things he's improved on in his game have really, really impressed me. Uh, so Nadal's going to have to hit his spots, try and cut out the double faults. And he's going to have to be very 
I think, imaginative on serve. He, he, I know, I think it was during Roland Garros and even part of Wimbledon as well, uh, what he utilised, I thought, really well was the flat serve out wide from the juice side. And in the past, he's had issues because he hasn't been able to just hit the flat one out wide. He's he's hit the more natural serve, which he's hit out wide, but it's arced into the opponent's forehand. So it's not been as as potent as it could have been. However, this year, and, and to be fair, it's happened in the past as well, but especially this year, he's been able to hit that. And it's been very, very good. In Australia, of course, he hit it as well. That's a very good serve to hit against Fritz because his backhand, I feel, is more solid than his forehand. His forehand can be more hurtful, but his forehand's not as solid. I think forehand return as well, I don't think is as solid. If he can drag him out, then that's a good thing to do. I think Nadal also should try and come to the net. He's very good there. He's got great hands in the net. He transitions well. If he has opportunities, I don't see why he shouldn't. I don't think he should be engaging in long rallies against Fritz as well because Fritz does have power from the back of the court. Nadal can mistake, make mistakes on the forehand side. Um, I think he's gonna. he might try and utilize the short backhand slice as well. They utilize really well in Australia. The court speed will be similar. Of course, it's indoors, so it's going to bounce slightly less and you know, still conditions, etc. But the short slice is still quite effective. I don't think Fritz is going to enjoy getting down that low, uh, you know, ankle height, um, and then hitting the backhand. And he will try and hit dry backhands from those positions. He will slice at times as well. But if he does slice that, then probably gives Nadal an opportunity to then, to then rip the forehand, which he does really well in response to slices. Um, with great movement around the backhand side, or if it's into his forehand, then he kind of just sets it up really nicely. Um, and I think he's going to have to flatten out his ground strokes a little bit. Uh, he can't afford to go lasso forehand um, with like the full, the kind of full buggy whip loop all the time. If he's going to hit it fine, hit the buggy whip, and he will inevitably hit that a lot. But just hit it with a bit more pace, a bit flatter. Uh, you know, give himself the opportunity to get through the court with pace because he can hit his ground strokes big enough to really hurt people. Uh, similarly, on the backhand side, uh, I think he. And to be fair, you can. There's an argument to be made that it's even more. It's more consistent than his forehand side. That he needs to flat on the backhand. I think he need if he finds his backhand on the line, it's going to be very very tough for a lot of people as well because he hits it very very well, pinpoint accuracy. Uh, nice and flat um, and the slice as I said short slice but also just the slice in general I think he needs to utilize on this surface he'll get a lot of purchase for it uh, I don't see why he can't use it especially down the line into the opponent's backhand uh, just gives them less time uh, low over the net uh, and I think it will be you know a tactic that he can utilize quite nicely the other issue then is you know we talk well not issue but we talked about the return position uh, and, I, and I said, I, I think it's going to be deep. Uh, if he were to stand further up in court, you know, he, he'd really have to shorten it a lot, his backswing. And I'm not quite sure whether someone like Taylor Fritz is the right person to be trying that against because I just think Taylor Fritz maybe serves too big. Uh, and maybe Nadal won't have enough time to absorb that pace uh, given his return style. For Taylor Fritz, I mean, I don't think he's going to be standing that far back against Nadal. Nadal's been serving bigger, but he's not a huge server. Uh, so he'll be trying, especially on the second serve point, trying to step in um, and attack. And as will Nadal, because I think both these players, 
don't have the best second serves. I think Nadal's second serve is, you know, you know, it's funny. I was talking to someone about this the other day, and I think Djokovic's first serve is better than Nadal's, but I think Nadal's second serve is better than Djokovic's. And in saying that, though, it's still an attackable second serve. There's not many people on tour, really, that you know when they're playing against the top top players in the world can get away with hitting a, a, a very, very low percentage of first serves and still go on to win the match. Um, because most people's second serves are just not potent enough uh, to really consistently hurt or get hurt their opponent or get them uh, in an uncomfortable enough position to even get themselves into neutral to then push on. And they have to work really hard on their second serve point. So I think Nadal... We'll need to make a lot of first serves. Uh, he needs to make sure that his one plus plays, you know, very effective. He's not making a lot of errors on the forehand side. Needs to be making the forehands. It's simple. If his his forehand and his serve are firing, then it normally means he goes on to win. Um, if the backhand and the line's firing, again, means he's probably going on to win uh, against whoever he's playing against, unless you know the opponent's playing an inspired match, which can always happen. But Taylor Fritz, uh, he just needs to be. He needs to try and just get the most out of his game. And he might go hard with the into-out forehand or backhand cross into Nadal's forehand, and I think he should. Why not? That's Everyone knows that's the tactic to use against Nadal, trying to get him to defend on the forehand side um, because he has to take larger swipes with you know a bigger backswing on that side and normally means you get a shorter ball. On Nadal's backhand side, he defends so well um, that you probably don't want to go into that side until you have an opportunity to really rip the ball. So uh, I think Fritz will try and go hard into the forehand side. Um, how Nadal's forehand holds up, we shall see. Um, but he, I don't think he'll hold back. He won't play passive tennis. If he plays passive tennis, Nadal will rip him apart. Uh, so he needs to be proactive. He needs to be on, he needs to be on the front foot. He's got, a, he's got a good enough backhand. He doesn't mind the ball uh, coming up shoulder height on his backhand side, uh, which is why I was saying, especially on this surface, which is quicker, lower bouncing, there's no real kind of there's no real um, benefit for Nadal going cross court with that um, more loopy topspin forehand. I, he just needs to flatten out a little bit. And if he is going to go with that loopier forehand, then find the angle at least drag Fritz out. If he drags him out, then it could be effective. But if he's going cross court into the four ends of the backhand of Fritz, and Fritz is hardly having to move and it sits up nicely for him, Fritz is going to drive through that, and then it's going to be extremely hard for Nadal to then defend on the forehand side. He's going to have to be playing a lot of squash shots on that on that side to then get back into the rally into neutral. So there's a lot of layers to, to get into in this matchup, and you can probably tell because I've been kind of pinballing around in my thoughts trying to understand exactly how this one plays out. But I think... Nadal should have too much experience as well. He's been here before, uh, not in Turin, but of course the ATP Finals. For Fritz, he's got nothing to lose, honestly. And he's had some very close matches against Nadal this year. Uh, of course, a one-on-one record this year as well. So it's a chance for Fritz to actually equal up the head-to-head, if I'm not mistaken. So if that happens, that'll be really interesting as well. Uh, and some added motivation for him, I'm sure, as well. Prediction-wise... It's tough because I said in my initial preview that I thought Fritz might creep in. If he were to creep in, he'd have to win this match. I genuinely feel like this match will determine who finishes second. I think Felix is going to clean up. I genuinely, that's my initial feeling. (coughs) Well, 
if it's the Felix that's been playing the last three weeks, I think he cleans up. Last four weeks, even, I think he definitely cleans up. So this is a really, really important match. I'm going to go Nadal in three sets. I think it's going to be a tough one. I think Fritz is going to come out, and I think he's going to he's going to be very, very confident. He'll know the surface suits him a lot more than Nadal. And in all honesty, they played at Wimbledon and they played at Indian Wells. This surface will suit him more than all surfaces they played on this year so far. So really, he'll be thinking, I've got a great chance here. Now, on the you know in the bookies or whatever, he'll be the underdog, but he'll know, and people that are hardcore tennis fans will know that Fritz has got a good chance of winning this. So in saying that, though, Nadal's beaten big players indoors in the past. He's beaten um, you know, a team or a Medvedev. Um, not sure if he's beating Djokovic. I'm not sure on indoor hard, but uh, Murray, I think he has as well. So, you know, he's been some good players and some big players. So he can win indoors. The big question is going to be, does he employ the right tactics? And if so, is he able to implement them? I don't know. Is the honest answer. Guys, well, if you haven't done so already, do check out the Slice Monthly, sorry, the Slice Weekly uh, Bagel Newsletter. The link's in the description of this video. Thank you very much for tuning in. Remember to that like button and do subscribe if you are new. And we'll see you on the next video. Let me know your thoughts as well. Do you agree with my thoughts? Do you disagree? Uh, always, always happy uh, to hear what you guys say in the comment section below. And we'll see you guys very soon. We'll be trying to do some watch-alongs. Um, definitely some post-match analysis as well uh, for the ATP finals. Uh, so do keep an eye out for those. And do click that notification bell as well. Stay safe and well, guys. See you later.